What's up, everyone? I'm Scott. And I'm Amy. And this is Ranked, a podcast where we rank top tens of film, TV, music, and everything in between. And today we're talking Super Bowl halftime shows. Super Bowl 58 coming up, Las Vegas, 49ers Chiefs this weekend. Um, yeah, Amy, what up? Football? You, is your team in the mix? Is it not? Are you, you got snacks prepared? Oh, yeah. I can't believe I can't believe there's been so many Super Bowls, Scott. And, you know, I, I was I was really happy that YouTube had almost all of the Super Bowl performances, even though some of the sound quality was super shitty. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty uh, bad. So <laughs> I, I tried to watch those ones, but it, it was hard to judge them based on that. So I do have some close calls that I'll share at the end. But a lot of it is mostly because the sound quality was so bad. I couldn't really tell if it was. Uh, worthy of the top 10 or not but it was probably worthy of the top 10 um but man some of these back in the day ones before i was born (laughs) was like what the hell was happening man (laughs) they were like carnival acts and uh sometimes they were just like kind of odd tributes um Yeah. yeah some really kind of they just they hadn't quite figured out what to do and really like kind of how to monetize it they hadn't figured out that, you know, we should just be having one big grand concert performance. And a lot of that didn't happen until the 90s. Till like yeah, the mid to late 90s. It, it was so interesting, too, because I don't really, you know, like I, I know it goes by eras and a lot of it had a Hollywood focus, too, which was interesting. And yeah, I yep. didn't realize how big in the 60s and 70s Westerns still were. And so, like. I watched the first Super Bowl halftime performance ever. Scott, did you see that one? I, I didn't I didn't go that far back, no. They had a reenactment of a Wild West gunfight and it just was like, like okay. That's just it was just an excuse for people to get up and go get snacks and go to the bathroom and Yeah, they just weren't sure how to uh, fill that air. They I hadn't mean, quite figured you know, it out yet. It's some of those two, like the sound quality was really bad. And so, you know, I, I hope that they can uh, work on some of that audio content that can, so I can hear the, the bands a little better. Because some of the marching bands are probably really good. Um, some yeah, of them had of the really good, good bands. moves. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like some of them did some really cool shapes. Like I saw them interweaving. Uh, some of them spelled out things or uh, had different colors. So I thought that was really cool. Um, but I couldn't really hear the music that well. And when, when they would have singers, too. It would look like they were trying to bring in singers, which was a good start to it. But the band played so loudly. I think it was the one, um, 1970 with Carol Channing. She's singing, but then there's this trumpet playing right next to her. And that's all you can hear. I could not hear her voice. All I can hear is this loud ass trumpet blowing into a microphone. Yeah. When you, when you go, when you go back and you start, then you start seeing like who the acts were or kind of what even the Super Bowl halftime show that we know it to be now, what it used to be is just a shell of itself. It was just like you said, kind of odds and ends acts, some tribute bands, marching bands, reenactment sections that had nothing to do with music or concerts. It's just really bizarre. And then, you know, as coming, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, and then all the way up to like the early 90s is when you started seeing it kind of take shape and they kind of, you know, you, you could see the turn. I won't really give away some of those 90s picks if they're on our list, but you could kind of see where they said, <laughs> all right, you know what, we're, we're going to start pulling some like, we need a big name. We need somebody who's popular, somebody who everybody knows, like a global star. And that's kind of where those, you know, that's honestly, those 
it was where the NFL was going to. It was becoming the biggest sport in the world, and they wanted to kind of match the energy. And that's what we now the Super Bowl halftime shows. Dare I say, almost almost bigger than the game. <laughs> I mean, how many yeah. you know, how many people tune in just to watch the show? They 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 get the right dip, the right snacks, the right takeout. They're there just watching the Super Bowl halftime show, and then they're checked out. They're not really watching the game. Well, and you know, one of the things I noticed too was that from the 60s all the way through the 90s, it was theme-based rather than yeah. a performer. So, you know, sometimes you had these combos of performers that worked, and sometimes you had some that just didn't work, and you don't know why Weird. they threw these random people on stage together where one person's like, I'm just going to sing for a hot minute, and then you can go back to this person, but they have no connection. Like, the ones and, and I like it better now because they can they can blend their sounds together and they, they they bring in people that, you know, make sense a little bit more or they let the main artists kind of bring in people that make sense with what they're yep. singing. But some of these were were all over the place. Um, I remember. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> no, go ahead, Scott. They, they, sorry, they try. Yeah. So they, they they'll, they'll they've gotten better at trying to make it where those artists are like relevant to now and they have something. Um, and I'll just use an example because this won't obviously won't be on our list because it hasn't happened yet. But, you know, Usher's performing this year and like Usher's got an album coming out in February. It's coming out like the week after the Super Bowl. He's going on a huge tour again. That makes sense. Like so. And it wasn't always that way. But when they started kind of getting more to these artists have something going on now. And even if they didn't really fit musically, they kind of was fun because they were weird. <laughs> but it was also like at least they had something going on where there were some years I went back and looked and I'm like, why did they have that person? They hadn't had an album in 22 years. <laughs> Who cares? Well, what are they even doing up there? It was just, um, I think it was like a nostalgia grab and you know, people are either going to love that or hate it, but they definitely got better the, at being a little bit more relevant. Even with Usher having a new album coming out, I still want some deep cuts. Give me some songs off the My Way album. I just, I'm here for it. Please, please, Usher. I beg you, please. He, if you're listening he's to this episode, run Usher. It. Please. <laughs> yeah, he's got to run through it. And, and we, uh, hey, we've said over here, so I'll ask you. Yeah, I, I feel like if, if he doesn't, if little John Ludacris don't come out for, yeah, I think it's an absolute fail. Yeah. My guy's yeah. going to have to pack it up and go back to Atlanta if he doesn't uh, break out. Yeah, open or close. He's got to, got to bring both those guys out. It's Vegas. He just finished well, his like, Vegas residency, too. It's like, it couldn't have worked out any better. Oh, yeah, that's perfect then. I mean, so, oh my gosh, Scott, like, I, I just had so much as I'm going through these, like, Disney, and Disney ran a bunch of them, and Hollywood ran a bunch of them, so, like, some of them were, like, salute to the superstars of the silver screen, and it looked like something that I watched in the Muppets Great Muppet Caper, <laughs> so, like, yeah. like, I saw, that's all I saw, and, you know, like, I was hoping I'd see Muppets. They did a Charlie Brown one, I don't know if you saw the Charlie Brown one, but that Charlie Brown character was super creepy. It was that was not Charlie Brown. And like, I'm glad again, I missed that one. It's not going to be Charlie Brown, but it's creepy. I can give you the year. <laughs> what year was that? Um, one sec. Let me look. Charlie so that wasn't Brown. number one on your list. Okay, spoiler: Charlie Brown is not number one on my list. Um, it's 1990. Salute to New Orleans and 40th anniversary of Peanuts characters. And the Charlie Brown is just wicked creepy. No, thank you. That might have been one of the last kind of oddball ones that they ran because a couple of years later it was another massive performer and that's really when it started turning. Yeah. That's when the Super Bowl started turning into the massive <laughs> show we know it to be now. Well, there and there's some of them that were entertaining cuz like you could tell they were 
They're like, this is who our football audience is. So in 1985, they did one called A World of Children's Dreams. And like, literally, it was all about uh, Tommy, this little Tommy. And Tommy wants to be a pirate. Tommy wants to be a pilot. Tommy's going to fly a plane. And then and then it would go into like a new page. And it was like, Tommy's going to be an athlete. And this is what you do, America. <laughs> Tommy's going to be an astronaut. And I will say the only cool thing about that was that they pulled out a jetpack. And it was like watching the Rocketeer flying over stage. Oh, unreal. As, like That doesn't even sound like it actually happened. <laughs> That's so just crazy to, to think of those and then think of where it is now. It's like... <laughs> You can't be serious. I'm pretty sure at one point, like in the early years, it was just people juggling. They just said they just oh, yeah. they just they just were not sure what to do or where to go with the halftime shows. And and now it's like and, you know, famously, the NFL, you know, supposedly they don't, they don't pay any of these artists because it's like just this massive platform. But it, how I mean, how many people tune in and watch the Super Bowl every year? Uh, crazy i mean what 40 50 million 60 i don't even know like especially oh, yeah. now it's streaming people are streaming it a lot of people don't have cable but then the people I mean, that for the do obviously especially yeah nfl package for the commercials. commercials yeah and so i i'd say much better than where we where we started um oh, yeah. but we were t- we were talking a little bit we were talking a little bit before we started recording about how much crossover we might have because of uh some of those ancient <laughs> ones that we weren't around for and they were just kind of kind of weird nobody really cared for i don't know why i wrote this on one of them but i just have a note somewhere in the 1980s where i just said this is just shit and sand <laughs> I mean, I, no, but it's probably accurate i got yeah I, 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 you're gonna have to figure that one out so i can go watch that performance i don't know what that is but and i i, I there's one other one that i won't spoil or, or even though i will well actually I, I won't say exactly what it is i don't think it's on your list but there was one that we we did talk about that was like a massive tribute to an era of music that they did. And honestly, it was bizarre. I was actually hoping I was really going to like it. And the quality of the YouTube video was not great, but it was like not good. It was, it was kind of weird and it was kind of a mess and it seemed chaotic. And I was like, man, this was not, I did not like this. Yeah. They did it three different times each decade. And it it was like, what are you doing? Why? Really? They just couldn't figure it out. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I won't spoil my list because I do have some close calls. There are some that I will, like, because there were so few that I'm like, this is actually decent. Um, I do need to give honorable mentions to some after we list our top 10 because there there were a few others that were at least worth, like, yeah, this was, this was still good. Um, just there were some others that really stood out to me. With that, do you want to start your top 10? You want me to go? Yeah. Uh, yeah, why don't you kick us off, Scott? I feel like I kick us off frequently. Go for yeah, it. We, yeah, we usually go back and forth. I'll go. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, starting right off. I'll go. Uh, my number 10 is um, from 2021 is The Weeknd. Um, this was nice. in Tampa, and he went at it solo. This was kind of him fully, fully leaning into him being the biggest kind of pop star in the world. I, there was a lot of technical issues with this, especially because of COVID. There was like, the I don't, I remember I watched it a couple times, but then I, the audio was not the best and he had like he had very noticeably been doing like a lot of vocal kind of tone ups and you could you could just see his music kind of going up and up and you could be like he from where he started with his like early mixtapes and stuff like his vocals have gotten way better his stage present was better um just his range in general and how he kind of commanded a stage and he was starting to do 
full-on stadium arena shows and going on tour. You could just see the difference, but it almost kind of felt like this was like he just maybe wasn't quite ready to do the Super Bowl yet. Even with the limitations coming out of COVID, it was kind of a sloppy production to even get the show going. Still a great show. Um, and, you know, he ran through all the hits. He did Call Out My Name. He did Starboy. He did Can't Feel My Face, Save Your Tears. I love that he did House of Balloons because that was that's a deep, that's a deep, deep weekend cut from when he was like, people at that time, he was just, people didn't know if he was a band. They didn't know if it was one guy, two guys, three, four people. It was just, he's, it's the weekend. He's from Canada and he's an R&B singer. And that's pretty much all anybody knew. But House of Balloons was like his first technical project, which they called a mixtape, but it was really an album. And he did actually perform that, which I was really surprised, but I was happy because I found The weekend accidentally back in like 2010. And I just was like, his music was just intoxicating. And with each project, you could tell eventually this guy's getting more and more comfortable where he's going to end up just shooting into like superstardom. And eventually you're like, you know what? That makes perfect, perfect sense. The Super Bowl is like the biggest stage in the world. Let's go. And it was like his turn. I Again, I, I don't think he was like quite ready. Like I think if he would have done it, um, you know, maybe last year, or even if he would have done it like next year off. And again, the, the, these artists usually get picked because they have a project and he was coming off like one of his uh, one of his projects. So I kind of debated putting this on there because I know it's not looked at as like one of the best, but I love The weekend, and I still thought he did a great job. Um. I love this one. I still like it. Um, yeah. I mean, this was him coming up. This was him becoming a pop, uh, megastar. So I'd say that's my number 10. That's a good pick, Able. Scott. I mean, I think the Able. weekend has a great voice. Um, he does. It, you know, I feel like, I feel like this happens at the Super Bowl because there is, there's one performance that is on my list as something that was so disappointing because I really love the performers. But the sound was horrible. And I was reading through some of the YouTube comments, and I guess people who were at the Super Bowl that year said it was actually really good if you were in the stadium. But for some reason, the sound yep. quality outside of the stadium was horrible. And, you know, that really sucks, too, because that was a, you know, I, I, lo- I still love their music. I listen to them fre- quite frequently, but their performance was so horrible for a while. It was really tough. Like, oh. And, yeah, and, yeah, and that was that was what was tough kind of with the weekends for me is because not only do I just I love his music in general, but he was coming off his album After Hours, which I think was like his magnum opus album. Like it was like the album where he put Megastar, better vocalist, and like early day the weekends, uh, you know, House of Balloons, Thursday, Echo of Silence, those like early projects. It's like he kind of was able to put mm-hmm. all of that together. And After Hours was just an incredible, incredible album. So when you hear he's doing the Super Bowl, you're like, this is perfect. This, this is it. My guys arrived. And it just wasn't there. And again, COVID, the COVID production was kind of tough. Audio wasn't great, but I st- he still had to make my list. Yeah. What uh, you got? So number, t- number 10. Um, You're number 10. So my number 10 comes from the 1990s, actually. Uh, surprising nice. for me. Um, but it was the first time I would say that when they did one of these combos of people, they did it right. Um, and it was 1997, and it was the theme of the Blues Brothers Bash. So it was Dan Aykroyd, John Goodman, James Belushi, and then it also had James Brown and ZZ Top. And 
they each did uh, two songs and then they did one together and their sounds together were just so solid. And I like the Blues Brothers movies a lot. Um, and I think the music in them is fantastic. And they did a just a great job performing. And I mean, I always have a soft spot for Dan Aykroyd and the Belushi and Goodman. So that was really cool. Um, but James Brown performing too. Uh, just, just watching him perform, you know, it's not something, you know, from my era, like that I would often get to see. So, right. uh, you know, he still held his own in the nineties um, and ZZ Top was great as well. So that was one where it brought in some different, different types of singers, including actors uh, who perform. And I just thought they did a really great job with that. So um, I had to, I had to give them a shout out on my list at number 10. Yeah, I took a peek at that one. It was, uh, it was cool. That was cool. I, I I like the first Blues Brothers movie. I don't know about the second one. Love <laughs> I, James so Brown. I recently rewatched the first one. Love it, obviously. Carrie Fisher. Heart. Yeah. Um, second one I haven't rewatched yet, but I, I remember enjoying it. But I feel like, yeah, the first one definitely holds a deep place in my heart. Yeah. Nice. All right, my number nine. Number nine. So this one's kind of one of the ones where I kind of like a lot of it, but I was also like, eh. Okay. Um, so my number nine is uh, Coldplay, Bruno Mars, Beyonce from 2016. Okay. Okay. I, I'm not like the biggest Coldplay fan. I do like Chris Martin. I think he's incredibly talented. I think he was just kind of misplaced in this. It was just, I, they're big showmans and Coldplay loves to do these, those kind of big theatrical kind of whimsical productions. Not bad by any means. Um, but he, I think they were coming off like they they performed Paradise and Viva La Vida and mm. those are big like those anthemic kind of tunes and like it's perfect for the Super Bowl honestly but he's not known for his vocal range and he really dropped the tone at one point to like sit at the piano and it just like kind of throws the vibe off like it's just like I feel like that's just not what you're looking for in a Super Bowl halftime show it's like just completely you know you're you're just looking to kind of be hyped up and yeah, it wasn't bad, though. It was it, it was fun. And I but I think when you see Bruno come out and Bruno and the hooligans get going and him coming off, you know, his massive tour and, you know, Beyonce being Beyonce. Yeah, it was just like I kind of was like, man, maybe they should have let Beyonce and Bruno Mars go at this. <laughs> but it was still fun. I mean, you know, they he, Bruno came out doing Uptown Funk and, you know, they it was just kind of like a pretty cool like drum line like right into beyonce she hit right immediately with formation which was perfect and i mean she's truly just like the artist of our generation for sure top tier choreography and costume design with both of them so they're always gonna bring it um and honestly i love it i mean beyonce and bruno going back and forth you know mark ronson was out there it it was cool i mean it, it was really fun and honestly it set the stage for really more beyonce and bruno because their tours at the time and those albums they had out. And I liked it in general. Like I, I, it was pretty fun to go back and watch it. It was, it was incredibly entertaining if nothing else. I think the one hang up for me, even though that's, which is why I kind of put it at like lower is because I was like, I do like Coldplay and I do, I do like Chris Martin. It's just, I was like, I don't know if he was the guy that should have been out there with Bruno and Beyonce. And th that's kind of part of the ones we talk about where they put people together because it's like they got yeah. tours or projects and, they might even be like friendly. They might even be acts that like have the mutual respect. And it's like, it's cool. But sometimes you're like, I don't know. That just, that part didn't work. Didn't work for me. <laughs> but overall, it was still, it was good. It was entertaining. Can't go wrong with Bruno and Beyonce. 
Yeah, and see, that that was one for me. It was like, I think Bruno Mars has a beautiful voice. And Incredible. Beyonce is the best. top of the charts. But, Mega you know, star. Coldplay has some, has some songs I listen to. It's just, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a good combo for me. But... And and not not like a a memorable performance. When I rewatched it too, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I remember. I recall this happening. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was definitely one of those. Where so I'll just say this as like a little sidebar. I, I I get um in my household anytime there's something where it's just okay, whether it's a movie, a new recipe we're trying, anything like that. She she usually gets on me because I say it's serviceable. And this was <laughs> this was very serviceable. This was a serviceable halftime show. It was entertaining. Not my favorite combo with Coldplay there. And, you know, it's it's it, honestly Coldplay and Chris Martin was kind of a little the same kind of little bit of like a struggle that The Weeknd had, I think, where, you know, like I said, Chris Martin just didn't have the vocal range. And yeah, to perform those huge anthems that they have and it, you're kind of you're and it's live. You're 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 kind of catching every little thing where you're like, ah, just can't just can't get there. But still fun. Yeah, it's hard to balance, too, because you want to do, you know, you want to sing well, but you also want to have some catchy performance. But, yeah. you know, there's also all these pyrotechnics people like to do or digital effects of some sort, especially now. And so trying to find that balance of all of it can be really challenging for artists that aren't used to doing that either. Like, you know, just getting on stage and just playing raw and not having to have all that special effects go on, too. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, and they and they did have they did have like kind of you know the fireworks going. They had you know a lot of colors kind of flowing through. You know that was kind of that's Coldplay's big thing. And a lot of their album covers, their stage shows are really bright, colorful. They're open. Um, so I mean, yeah, they had they had more of that going. It became more of like these are the ones where it's really becoming more of like a production and a show and a you know, really just a massive concert in the middle of a football game. Um, so yeah, that's still still pretty cool. You mean a football game during a massive concert. Correct. <laughs> uh, all right. Number nine. Uh, my number nine is from 2003. It's no doubt Shania Twain and Sting. Um, a lot of this is because this is my Gwen Stefani era. I loved No Doubt when I was younger. Tragic Kingdom for me is still one of the best albums I have ever owned and listened to. And I could still listen to it on repeat and never get sick of it. Uh, so watching her get on stage and be that Gwen Stefani I loved before switching over to solo pop, which, you know, for some people, that's that's a great era for her. Mine is still when she was this this punk rock star, badass, grunge chick. I love it. I miss it. I want that back. But uh, Shania Twain looked great, too. She had on this, this diamond studded bustier, some, some leather jacket singing, man, I feel like a woman was up on a, a podium that was moving in the air, ready to go. That was like prime Shania Twain days. But uh, Sting sang alongside Gwen Stefani, and they had a really good sound together. So I was I was digging it more than I thought I would actually rewatching it. But yeah, I, I, ha- I couldn't I couldn't cut out my my no doubt love for this one. So that one held into my number nine. Yeah, that was a cool that was a cool era. I, I you wouldn't think so, but I actually I had that no doubt album and the album the album knocked and i bet you there's probably a whole laundry list of people who don't know that gwen stefani was even in no doubt and that she was like kind of like punk chick like i don't think there might be a lot of people that didn't even know that or 
you know, they or they see the era, the kind of pop era that she's in. And it's funny with Shania too, like Shania famously, if, if I'm not mistaken, like doesn't tour a lot and doesn't do a lot of live performing because of like um, anxiety and stage fright and stuff like that. So yeah, looking back on that, I think that's actually, uh, that was kind of wild that she actually did the Super Bowl because that is like a pretty massive stage. Yeah. And you know, that was a weird combo. It but was. I also, I also kind of dug that one. Like it was a good, it was a good combo of you got your badass country chick that's kind of crossing over into pop and people love her, but then you got your badass grunge rocker chick and I, I dug it. Yeah. And then Sting was there. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> but no doubt really is what sealed that one for me. You could almost say at that time, Shania was kind of Taylor Swift. She was yeah. kind of the country, the country mega star who kind of made pop music and was crossing genres like every, every it wasn't just a she wasn't just a country artist she was huge yeah people people still listen i feel like to that era of music from shania too i still oh, hear sure. those songs play for sure my number eight number eight all right this is this is when shit got weird <laughs> uh-oh i'm here for it bring it on 2001 i mean what the fuck were they doing i i, I have this on as number eight because it's just funny and it's fun to talk about, and it was cool, but it was also just like, what the hell? You couldn't find a more 2001 snapshot. Aerosmith, Britney Spears, NSYNC, Nelly, and Mary J. Blige took place in Tampa. The King, it, was, it was basically the theme of the Super Bowl was the kings of rock and pop, which is just bizarre. <laughs> That's just, that is just bizarre. It's just so weird, you know. I mean, you see them up there, and you're like, they got an NSYNC Aerosmith crisscross of like singing "Jaded" and "It's Gonna Be Me," and it was just so weird. <laughs> but it was it was very much relevant, and it was very much a snapshot. You had Aerosmith at the time, who you know performed "Walk This Way," "Jaded," and they had still had mega hits. They were still out there touring and performing. NSYNC, obviously, and Britney Spears, like two of the biggest pop acts to ever exist at this time. Diminishing returns, because a year later, Timberlake released Justified and came out with Cry Me a River. So that really didn't work out well for all parties involved. Yeah. Um, just the whole Britney and Justin thing in general. And I honestly, like, the, I, I went back and watched this, like, twice. And I'm like, this is like the carnival cruise of Super Bowl halftime shows. <laughs> it is just a dumpster fire. I'm, I'm watching it and I'm just like, this is so corny. And I was like, what? Why is Nelly here? And granted, I like Nelly. And as somebody who went, was in high school in the early 2000s and when Nelly was like the biggest person in the world with country grammar, I was kind of like, I get he's relevant at the time, but I'm like, why was he out there? Why was he Nelly with NSYNC and Aerosmith? I totally missed that. Oh, just so weird. Yeah. And this was kind of another one of those things where it's like, I remember it. I remember before I even looked this up, I was like, I know it was Aerosmith. I know it was NSYNC and Britney. But I was like, I don't remember Mary J. Blige being in this. I don't remember Nelly coming out. Just bizarre. So a bizarre okay, performance. So I, I did put a note next to this one because this one was one where I was like, oh, this is totally going to be on the list. And then, you know, they did the intro with uh, uh, Ben Stiller, like opening up to them, trying to pump them yeah. up in a locker room. It was like a comedy act with Sandler and thing. I think, yeah. Yeah, but like, I mean, maybe I'm getting my years wrong. He looked like the, his character in Dodgeball, but I don't think Dodgeball was even out yet. Um, no, I think and, Dodgeball was like 2004. 
Yeah, but I remember he looked like that character. And then, yeah, Adam Sandler comes out and then Chris Rock comes out at one point. And, and you know, so it was really Aerosmith and NSYNC for so long, too. Like, Britney came out for a hot second. Mary J. Blige came out for a hot second. And I, I remember when I was younger, when I watched this, I thought they were their way more than what they were. And they really weren't. Like, they... They're barely even in the show, and they their powerhouse voices should have had just as strong a presence as Aerosmith and NSYNC. I mean, Steven Tyler's voice, fantastic. NSYNC, great performers, but Britney and Mary J. Blige, their voices, oh, they could have they could have ruled that stage if it was just those two. Um, yeah, it, it, like I said, it was like the, it was like where they were kind of starting to get multiple acts involved and just mix matching people and crisscrossing songs and. It's just bizarre. This one's just, I just went back because yeah. I was like, I, it was like almost like a comedy sketch. Like I went back, watched it. And I was like, I was just laughing. I was like, this is hilarious. This is funny <laughs> that this is a thing that happened during the Super Bowl. They're like, Let, we're, this is what we're doing. Steven Tyler's going to start singing. I don't want to miss a thing. And NSYNC's going to back <laughs> him up. I'm like, this is just bizarre. <laughs> that is a thing that happened in 2001. Uh, That's my number eight. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. Good times. So my number eight is very close. It was the year before, 2000, um, which was, I think, one of the, yeah, it was a Disney-led millennium celebration called A Tapestry of Nations. But it was Phil Collins, Christina Aguilera, Enrique Iglesias, and Tony yeah. Braxton, and then an 80-person choir. And uh, and they, uh, you know, they started with the 80-person choir, and their voices were amazing. Mm-hmm. And just that was the first time one of these choirs where I'm like, oh, wow, I can really hear them for one. And maybe it's just the sound quality on YouTube was better for this one. Um, but the voices were great. They had some Cirque, Cirque du Soleil performing, which was really cool to watch. I, I enjoy those shows generally. So this was really cool to see it on stage. Um, they had Christina Aguilera and Enrique Iglesias open up and sing together. And their two voices, especially this time, powerhouses. Um, mm-hmm. That was a combo I never would think of to put together, but that was that was a decent combination of those two. Um, Phil Collins did, you know, the song from Tarzan, <laughs> of course, uh, but and needed to do that. But then uh, Tony Braxton came out and sang, and her voice also amazing. Love Tony so Braxton. I, I, yeah, and and just the combo of their voices and this choir in an orchestra playing, it just was it was fantastic and. I, I didn't think I'd pick one of the Disney ones, but this one, this one really held its own for me. Yeah, it was kind of one of the ones where it was almost kind of like a truly composed show as opposed to like yeah, a concert. Yeah, that's a good way to you put know? it. Like it was more of like a real like this was composed to, to be done for this as opposed to like just a, yeah, like a massive concert. Kind of funny. Um, Christina Aguilera, obviously Hall of Fame voice. Um, have you seen the recent videos of Enrique Iglesias apparently that he cannot sing? What? There's just been a lot of videos of him at concerts, and he just apparently has a horrendous voice. Well, thanks, Scott. I will not watch any recent videos of Enrique. I was going to say, you you might want to double back on Enrique. I can be your hero, baby. From back in the day. (laughs) I think they might have been very uh, produced, I'll say. Okay. Yeah. Listen, they fooled me too, you know? You know what? He was in Once Upon a Time in Mexico, and he was. He was great. And so I'll just watch that performance. That's the live performance I'll watch of Enrique going forward. I forgot he was in that movie. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, my number, number seven. Number seven. Number seven is Miss Rihanna, 2023. Had to do it. 
Yes. Good call, Scott. My girl was pregnant with her second child, just crushing it. Uh, no guests, all her. Um, you know, obviously she couldn't go as hard as she probably wanted to, but she was with child. So, you know, shout out to moms. You know, they do it all. Um, you know, I, there, I think there might have been, I, I won't even say this is a knock because I kind of like when an artist, especially when they're going at it solo, when they kind of rip through a bunch of the hits. And it could be hard. You know, you get, what, 12, 14 minutes for a halftime show, something like that. It's kind of hard to cram it all in. And Rihanna's got treasure trove of hits. And some of the songs she performed, like, they're not even technically her song, but she's on the chorus. But they're that iconic because and people know them because of her voice. And, you know, All of the Lights, which is a Kanye song, obviously, but Run This Town, which was Jay-Z and her. But she ended up doing bits of those. And it's like those songs are that identifiable because of Rihanna. So it kind of says something about her star status that she can go out there and do these, what, 10, 15 second clips of like a chorus and people are just hyped to hear it. Um, And then she ran through all the classics, you know, where have you been? Poured up umbrella. Of course, bitch better have my money. All timer. (laughs) Uh, Diamonds. Um, That is the one thing you get when you run through a bunch of songs like that is you're kind of listening to a, a handful of snippets, which, you know, I'm not mad at, but. Um, yeah, I had, he had a huge stage ensemble, still great, still Rihanna doing what she does best. Yeah. I mean, not much more to say. I mean, she, again, another, this, this actually, she's probably one of the best examples of just absolute megastar popular, no matter what, because she hasn't put an album out in like eight years and she's headlining the Super Bowl, which is crazy because they always usually try to get it towards somebody who's got the project is on tour has a residency, is, you know, super hot at the moment. And Rihanna is just been having children and building her billionaire Fenty brand and chilling and living her best life and is still was still headlining the Super Bowl while she was pregnant with her second child, which is just unbelievable. Yeah, she she uh, didn't get she almost got in my top 10. She was one where I was like, she was really tight with some of these in my bottom five i thought she did such a great job rihanna has an amazing voice and to perform pregnant i've never been pregnant but i can't even imagine how she did that pregnant and she was not like three weeks pregnant yeah no. she was pregnant pregnant (laughs) and she was out there hitting the moves doing the choreography you know the stage was moving she came to play (laughs) riri doesn't mess around i i yeah. She she can do no wrong in my book. Good. I'm I'm glad she she hit the top ten on at least one of our lists. Good call. Oh yeah, yeah. I wasn't leaving her off. <laughs> um. All You're right. Number seven. So my number seven. Uh, an artist. If you listen to a past podcast, you know I love her. Madonna, 2012. Madonna can just perform. I mean, she's a performer. She's so good at it. Yeah. You know, you can't take your eyes off her when she performs, and that's something that really draws me into performances. I'm. I love great vocals. You know, if your voice can put me in a meditation state, that's fantastic. But I really love dance moves, too. So the fact that she just just does it so well, and and even as she's got older, she just can hold her own. Um, But she, you know, she she did a great job, too, of hitting some of her newer stuff. But then she also did like a prayer. She did Vogue. You know, she she pulled in the the gems that everybody really likes to hear and sing. Yeah, she played the hits. Yeah, yeah. And just. Yeah, everything about the performance was amazing. You know, she she also had a, a drum line come out 
and perform with her. And that was, that was amazing. It was so good. So I really, I really enjoyed that. LMFAO. They also came out and performed <laughs> with her. So that was freaking fantastic. Where are uh, they? I know. <laughs> they're, uh, they're still sexy and we know it, Scott. So yep. you know what? Hit my list. Number seven. Yep. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you talk about mega stars and being able to do it all. I mean, she can, she can do it. I mean, she's got just massive amount of hits. She's the ideal candidate for a Super Bowl halftime show. And all of her oh, yeah. all of her concerts and performances for years. I mean, she kind of built her whole brand on theatrics, you know, and stage presence, videos, choreography, fashion. I mean, yeah, she's 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 the ideal pick. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to go right into my number, what, seven, six, because it's I mean, it's kind of the new age version, which is from 2017. Gaga, Ooh. the lady herself. Yeah. I mean, you, another one you can't miss. No special guest doesn't need it. She's got her, she's got choreography. She's got stage presence. She's got a just massively booming voice, a litany of hits. Um, you know, she started off with uh, a rendition of God Bless America on the roof of the stadium. And she did a, you know, This Land is Your Land, which was pretty prescient for the times being 2017. It was kind of, you know, she kind of quietly made statements with a lot of her song choices and, you know, it's, you know things that she chose to do. And, which, you know, she's always been at the front and center of. She came descending from the roof and went right into <laughs> right into the hits. Um, Dancer in the Dark, Love Game, Just Dance, Paparazzi. Yeah. This was maybe one of the few times where I actually, I liked that she brought, she brought the mood down with um, A Million Reasons and got on the piano and, and then went back into Just Dance and started going, you know, Edge of Glory and Poker Face. And she started hitting... She she's a master. She's a pro. She knows how to go high to mid to low to bring the energy, cool it down, go back up. And again, when you, she comes out, she's costumes, top notch stage show ensemble lights. She's 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 that's Beyonce, too. Right. Like they're every single note yeah. is handpicked. They know what they're doing. They know what they want. And again, at this time, she had that. You know, what was the album? Uh, Joanna? I think so. I think that was the right era. Yeah. She, um, this was it. She was the one to do it. And she doesn't need any special guests. Nope. She, she's just going to get out there and let it rip. And she did. And it was excellent. She can't, she yeah, can't go, she can't, she can't do wrong. Yeah. And she, I mean, you know, like you said, I was kind of piggyback. It kind of worked out with you having the Madonna pick because in a lot of ways, I mean, it's, I, I, I know you don't always want to compare people, but it's like, she, she's, she was kind of the new age of Madonna in a, in a lot of ways. Her definitely yeah. her own unique version, but. Yeah, I could see know, that connection. Yeah, you know, if there was anybody to make a comparison to, it'd be a, that'd be the most flattering comparison, I think. And, you know, that's why that's why I love them as much as I do because they they are who they are and they're not scared to show it, and that's just amazing, especially as women and all the criticism that they get, and they still just stand by who they are, and it's it's great. Yeah, I, I love having them. Excellent, around. excellent performers. <laughs> what you got? Ah, uh, number six. Uh, so my number six is 2022, which had a lot of performers, um, including Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige, Eminem, uh, Kendrick Lamar, 50 Cent, just a lot of different people coming out. And I think it's because that was my my middle school era all in one day. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And I 
I just really enjoyed it. And I also like that Mary J. Blige got more than 30 seconds to perform. And her voice is still phenomenal. And I think she ruled that stage when she was out there. So I really respected that she had that time. Hit Family Affair, No More Drama. Thank you, Mary J. Blige. Um, Snoop coming out. And uh, I, just, I, just, I just loved that him and Dre were singing like next episode and everything from, from middle school, high school days. So I think, I think it was more the nostalgic aspect of this. That really hit me, um, so I, I had to pull this one out, and um, I, I really love the friendship between Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart, and it just, like, melts my heart to see all the things that they do together, and just, yeah, this, is, this was a good performance. They, they held their own for, for what I expected for my middle school nostalgia happening. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you right now, that was my number one. <gasps> oh! So I'll dig into be. it more when we get there. <laughs> That that was that was truly that was truly one for us. That was that was a massive show for us for our age group. I mean, like I said, I'll dig more. I'll 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 talk a little bit more about it at one. But I there's no way I could make little passing comments and be like, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm just gonna tell you that was my number one. Like, there that was that was the easiest decision I've ever had to make. So I'll talk. We'll get back to it. Yeah, we'll get back to it. (laughs) But yeah, that's what was your number five, Scott? That's a great pick. All right. So my number five. um, And this really this is a tough one because obviously, you know, you you have to separate. There's some controversy with it. Um, You know, that aside, as far as the performance goes and what it meant for the Super Bowl, because this was kind of the performance where the NFL pretty much just kind of stopped screwing around and said, we need a megastar. And they went out in 1993 and got the biggest megastar they could find, which was Michael Jackson. They that that was it. Yeah. That was the person they, um, you know, like I said, the other stuff aside, it's it's, you know, we won't get to that. But as a performance, it, it was this was the biggest mega pop star. And he had his album Dangerous. And the years before, like you said, kind of you had some hits, you had some misses. The years, you know, the mid to late 80s it was just weird. And you had some really kind of ones that just didn't hit. This is where it really turned, where the NFL became this became a concert and who better to set that tone at that time than somebody who was just on top of the game. And just you, when it came to videos, every, all the things we talk about with these shows is the stage, the theatrics, the lighting, the choreography, the, the selection of songs, the, just the presence like that. This guy taught those people how to do that. And these shows and these concerts set the tone for everything that came after it. This happened in Pasadena in California, obviously one of the biggest settings you could possibly have. It just completely rejuvenated the halftime show and the NFL really didn't never look back since. Um, it was flashy. It's showy. He did all, he did jam. He did Billy Jean, black or white. He did another part of me, which was quick. The only thing I'll say that it was kind of weird and maybe just really kind of doesn't age the best is for some reason, for some reason he, he chose to do, uh, we uh, heal the world and we are the world, which are really just somber, somber, sappy songs for a Super Bowl halftime show, and really brought the whole mood down from like those mega hits from you know Bad and Thriller and all that stuff. Um, this was honestly probably one of the last great public mega stage performances he gave before he died in what 2009. So, but yeah, this kind of kicked him off. You know, I, I think without, if, if this performance failed or if he decides I'm not doing it and you just don't know what you're going to get, maybe a bigger artist comes a couple years later, 
maybe you track somebody else down, but this was kind of, I think, the one of the biggest ones that set it on the, you know, put it to where it's at today. This was it. That's my number five. MJ, 93. Yeah, I, I really liked this performance. This was probably one of the first ones when I was going through the YouTubes because I did start with the ones in the 1960s and work my way up to now. I would have to say that the Michael Jackson one was the first one where I'm like, this is really good. About time. Super Bowl halftime show. I can't believe it it took you this long. (laughs) Yep. I think that was like the collective feeling. It was like, finally, finally, you've given us somebody worth a shit to watch at the halftime show. And now and 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 honestly, again, this is why this one, I think, is probably the most culturally significant, because already in early 90s, you got NFL trending up and up and up in viewership and it becoming just this mega brand and global recognition. And who better yeah. to do that in 1993 than Michael Jackson, who was going to put, what, 70, 80 million people in front of a TV screen? Maybe more, because you didn't have streaming and have all these other outlets to watch. It was like, people watch the Super Bowl, and yeah, you got and the biggest person in the world to perform at it. He was just so good at performing. I mean, there, the was, there was no topping that. Uh, no. I do, I feel like the Heal the World stuff, I think that was around the time he did a lot of fundraising and everything, so I think it, yeah. that's what yep. drew that. Um, yep. I did actually like, uh dirt at the end when they do the wave and everybody's sitting in the stands and all the colors that show the children around the world i thought that was really cool that was something new and different too yeah like i think they tried a wave and a different one and it looked really stupid and so like this one to have this color coordination (laughs) and everybody going with it as the singing's happening while these you know the children's choir was singing too it was it was really nice i i like that performance that was in my post calls list too yeah Um, that was a tough one they were, I only had like, I think 15 in total <laughs> that I actually enjoyed watching. So the, the ones that didn't make the list, it was really a close call with, with putting them on there. So again, yeah. glad you had that one. What um, you got? Number five? Your five? So my number five, I thought was going to be your number one. So now you threw me through a little bit of loop. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> so my number five is 2007. It's Prince and the Florida Prince. A&M Marching Band. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. Just badass performance. That's that's my number two. Mic drop. That's all I got to say. <laughs> that's my nu- that's my number two. I, the only reason I didn't put it one is because, like I said, that it, Prince is probably like in my top three or four or five favorite artists ever. But with the Dre and Snoop and Kendra, it was just like, I was like, I, I, I can't, I can't leave us behind this. That one was for us. But yeah, go ahead. You can, you can, I'll let you do the dig into the prince one that was my number two i'll talk a little bit more about it too no, too but i mean i'm sure incredible. you have a lot more you can add into it being you know the, incredible. the bigger prince fan that you are but i just love the inclusion of the marching band i think he did a great job of having them be involved um i also love that he had the stage shaped into you know the iconic prince symbol yep <laughs> can't go wrong with that um him playing a guitar just badass yeah enough said All marching band was incredible yeah, he just, the performance itself was just fantastic. Yeah. Um, Pouring so rain I, in Miami. Yeah. Purple know, rain as it's raining. Hits. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, Prince Prince was definitely worthy of the top five. Yeah, I got to say, too, that, like, when we make a lot of these lists, and I'm sure you do the same thing, there's a, always, like, a combination of what I think is might be, like, the best of the bunch and, like, favorites. And although, you know, Dre, Snoop, M that year was like probably my it, it is my favorite i technically from like a from a show standpoint 
Prince is like hands down the greatest Super Bowl halftime show that's like ever been put on. I think. I think better than MJ, better than anybody. I think if you if you were to look up the way to do a Super Bowl halftime show and like in a dictionary, it's like Prince is number one. He should always be number one. I don't know if anybody will top that. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely up there for sure. He he just always is a great performer. Incredible. The best. Um, um, all right, my number four. Number four. Yeah. My number four will forever live in infamy for, for better and for worse, I guess, is 2004's Janet and Justin, Nipplegate. Ooh, yeah. I rewatched this twice, and it's really it really sucks, not the performance. It sucks with all the controversy that happened because it's a great, great show. Um, Janet's one of my I favorites. Agree. Can't go yeah. wrong. It, all the crap kind of got overshadowed. And, and, and the, just the nonsense that came after with Timberlake and the way that, you know, PR management teams handled it. And, you know, Janet really got kind of screwed. Yes. It's not like any, and it's not like any of them turned like their lives turned out, you know, they're massively rich megastars who turned out perfectly fine. But it was it, it got ugly and it, it was it was an overshadowed what was otherwise a really good performance. And yeah. The only thing I will say is that, and this this goes for like a lot of the halftime shows. I don't know how many you've noticed, but like this, I did notice that there was more lip syncing in the early two thousands ones, where I think there might have been, <laughs> which, which is kind of funny because I feel like they might have been afraid of like bad vocals or like poor audio quality, yeah. and then you know, but then you get something like this where it's like you got a little bit more to worry about than bad audio quality. You have an exposed nipple on the national football league screen and well that's why the next panicking. ones were paul mccartney rolling stones <laughs> oh yeah they just they win they win as milk as can possibly be after this they were like we're gonna go back to the juggling acts we gotta start having just it's just let's just go find people to play cards on national tv like it got weird and and, and the weird thing was is, this scene in vegas vacation with uh wade newton it's like oh yeah people are like oh wait yeah. like that's what they did they're like let's go back to the audience that has nothing to do with with all these performers yeah it's just weird and and, and it, it sucked because like, like i said like it was a great performance and i mean it, it, it was tough too because like i i didn't know a lot of this at the moment but re going back and reading about it and seeing that not only was like the phrase wardrobe malfunction pretty much like coined at this time that it also became like it came it became like a political issue to distract from like the Iraq war, which is just a weird snapshot of 2004. And it was basically like I said, it was Janet kind of got really screwed in a lot of ways with, you know, how, how it played out. And yeah, um, she took she took way more of the hit than she should have for all way of more and than you know she should have. It's a boob. I was just—I was just gonna say this. Also, just has to go with the fact that this country is just insanely prude, and it's just a joke. Most—it's just a joke. Most people that have that watch the Super Bowl, I think you've seen a boob. I'm sure most yeah. of them have seen many boobs in their lifetime. Yeah. It's a boob. Yeah. Deal uh, with it. It's thinking back that that was the worst thing that could have happened at the time, socially, politically, whatever. It's kind of a joke considering where we're at, right? It's like Janet's I boob mean, was the worst thing that happened. I saw man boobs on some. Halftime shows too. Wild. Again, Janet's were better. Just, <laughs> yeah, much better. Bless her heart. She, Janet is just the queen. I love Janet. And but yeah, it, it, oh, 
And then the other thing that was this year that was also just insanely bizarre and didn't work was it opened with Jessica Simpson just horrendously singing. And Diddy came out. Nelly came out again. Kid Rock was out there doing his best. Let me desecrate the American flag thing that now is like a weird issue. It's like this was just weird. It was just super weird. They were barely there, too. Like, I don't understand why they even were there. They had nothing to do. It was like just something to give Janet and Justin. A, a what 20 second break to go backstage and come back on stage together it was and super weird. it's like she's janet jackson you didn't even need to have justin out there you could have just had janet yeah. jackson being yeah. janet jackson like what you didn't even need anybody else just weird times in the early no. 2000s i this i love when, her i think her performance was amazing and amazing all the hate she got for that wardrobe issue is absolutely ridiculous like crazy get over it please such a, get over such it. a weird time but, you know, again, these cultural moments, you know, you look back on those and you're like, oh, what a what a time. That was just really bizarre. Yeah. That's my four. Woo. Janet and Justin. 2004. All right. My four is 1999. <laughs> um, this is back when it was one of those themes. It was Celebration of Soul, Salsa and Swing. It had Gloria Estefan, Stevie Wonder uh, yep. and then Tap Dancers. And I really loved this mostly because of Gloria Estefan. You know, Stevie Wonder's great. I, you know, I don't want to sh- uh, put a shadow on that at all. Stevie Wonder's great, but Gloria Estefan, I I liked her a lot growing up. Um, I loved the the dancing, the salsa dancing, and it was fantastic. The, all the neon colors and just the vibrant celebration. It just, it was awesome. This, this was a great all-round, performance where it had a lot of people and it didn't look weird like it did back in the day in some of these other ones and the music was great i i really enjoyed this performance a lot and enough that it it beat out a lot of the newer ones for me which i didn't think would happen Uh, so yeah i stand by 1999 gloria stefan salsa soul swing yeah that's again another one of those where the late 90s they're kind of just kind of putting people together and i think just seeing how seeing how it went putting known iconic people together and being like you know what let's just put a show together and see how it goes <laughs> they were just kind of trying it they were throwing shit at the wall and seeing what would stick they just they just didn't know what to do but yeah i didn't revisit that one but yeah it, you know early 90s late 90s it's they yeah. there's some eclectic stuff going on back then with these show with these shows the dancing was amazing in this one i i love salsa dancing uh so that was that was awesome i would love to learn to be good at salsa dancing but watching it is also just as fabulous i'm in awe by it so uh yeah this was a great one for me nice uh all right yeah i'll go right into my number three yeah um it's queen b 2013 beyonce scott high five we got one of the same number (laughs) nice nice we we had a little bit of crossover but now we are okay well we got one at the same number then there we go yeah this is the um, first time with music though that we've had a crossover that's that's something that's new for us yeah i don't think that'll happen again never doubt scott i think we have yeah. some episodes it's gonna happen it could it could but yeah so this was uh this was in from 2013 it was in new orleans and it also became a massive destiny's child reunion um horn section cheerleading group the saint Sations. Yeah, band of all all women band out there. I mean, it's just an absolute powerhouse performance. It's Beyonce like meticulous. I remember watching this and when when Kelly and Michelle popped out of the stage, I was so pumped. And then just to kick it off with Bootylicious, I'm like, yeah, 
Yeah, I'm here for this. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. And then they ran down what? Run the World, Love on Top, Countdown, Crazy in Love, Independent Women, Baby Boy. I also got to say, and I've I've always stood on this. I I am a massive, massive Kelly Rowland fan. Yes. Thank you. Even when she used Excel to text somebody. That's that's right. When she texted Nelly in Excel (laughs) in in the Dilemma video. I, she always has my support. I love to see. I love Kelly Rowland. Um, super underrated singer as well. She doesn't get a lot of credit for being like a vocalist, but she's yeah. legit. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just one of the best like live performances ever. Being hundred percent. Who does it better than Beyonce? And it's like she again. I said it before, but she is like the single biggest artist of our generation. Yeah, can't Which, be under, Scott, understated. Did you? What was the most recent one? Grammys? Is that your your most recent award show that happened? Uh, yeah. Yep. I read the whole thing that she's never won album of the year, and I'm like, what the? It's a, it's a joke. I love that Jay Z got up there and was like, "This is a joke. How do you, how do you have the single biggest like winning artist in Grammy history? Yeah. She's been nominated this many times. She's she's won a bunch of Grammys, but you've never given her album of the year. It's that's a joke. That's yeah. that's when I start hating award shows. When I'm like, if you're gonna have award shows and they're gonna be to give the best artist awards, give the best fucking artist an award and give her album of the year. And we're both Taylor fans. Obviously, Taylor won Album of the Year. But it's like, Beyonce has been the biggest artist of the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Yeah, her recent concert <laughs> what and are album, you doing? fabulous. Amazing. She I- has taught these artists how to create a brand around your art. It's, it's yeah. crazy. That's, that's when the Grammys, just, just, they just miss. I mean, it, it, you know, it just pushed me more. Like, yep, this is why I don't watch award shows. Bullshit. Yeah, seriously. Number two? Um, well, my number two, you oh, already talked about a little bit, uh, which was 2017's Lady Gaga. Um, okay, there you just go. Amazing performer. You know, yeah. we, we touched on it quite a bit. She's, she's stunning to watch. You can't take your eyes off her. I loved that she did a lot of the aerial stuff as well. Um, just, it, it was great. Like, you know, you don't see that as much. And she's willing to take risks and do some different things with her performances. And I love that. Um, I do remember... After her performance, rather than talking about her performance, a lot of commentary was focused on that she had a little bit of like her her stomach showing a little bit outside of her outfit. <laughs> oh, is Lady Gaga putting on weight? And Nonsense. I was so fucking pissed, Scott. Like, <laughs> like leave. She's beautiful. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, why is that the focus? Like, come on. Back and, to and it was women commentators Ooh. too. It wasn't just men. Like there were some men that were saying it, but like it was mostly women commentators. I'm seeing this. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, stop hating on her. She she's amazing. Like, she's not big either. Like no. she's she looks fantastic. Like leave her alone. She's great. She's fine. Like, yeah. You know, that stuff pisses me off so much, Scott. I could just <laughs> like I'm getting red. Like, it's, it's, it's I just insane. hate all the all the hate on on women bodies mainly just you know i i identify yeah. as a woman so like i focus on that yeah. I, I i just cannot stand like that whole like era of you know hating on each other's bodies like criticizing like why like that should never have been the focus of this conversation ever yeah it's crazy that it's even still a topic it's yeah just, it just makes no in sense in 2017 too like come on like back the f off lady gaga is beautiful she is talented stunning yep that's my rant. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. <laughs> yeah, I no, I I agree. Yeah, it's just it's just a ridiculous conversation, and of all people too, because Lady Gaga's been very 
been like kind of the consummate like professional and has been uplifting not only herself and women and about and has been very like pro about you know body image and it's just like crazy that that even would come up at all but in, especially for somebody like her who has been kind of a leader in those conversations and especially yeah. through her art it's just like you know I mean, she performed born this way that wasn't that wasn't a mistake <laughs> there wasn't a coincidence that she massively belted out born this way yeah and that's, that's why she's and i the love best. that song it's one of my favorites yeah. she's awesome um so yeah my number two is prince so i'll just you know you 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 did it for me but all the classics like you said the stage the classic turquoise suit it you know he had the purple kind of lights around the stage so when it actually started downpouring in miami there was like literal purple yeah. rain That's i'm like amazing. you couldn't couldn't have planned a better halftime show just shredding on the guitar super underrated as a guitar player um Purple Rain was the finale, obviously, but, you know, he did a rendition of We Will Rock You. He did Proud Mary. He did Foo Fighters, Best of You. He did The Watchtower. It's just, I know, like, a lot of, you know, people consider MJ, like, the king of pop, which, that's fine. Prince, to me, is, like, probably, like, the king of all of that. He did all of it. Thank you. I forgot to mention that Best of You cover. That was so good. So good. He just, he does not miss. Prince no, is I, was I loved the it. guy, the guy. Um, and like I said, I put this at my number two because obviously I have my favorite, my personal favorite. That's you know <laughs> one for one for us. But Prince, I still I'll double down and say I think I think that is the greatest performance like ever put to a screen uh, for for uh, halftime Super Bowl. That's my two. All right, number ones. Number one. I think I changed up our order, Scott. Do you want to switch back? You go first. Number one, Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I, I, we already know my number one. It was Dre, Snoop, and Eminem, Kendrick, Mary, 50 Cent. Um, this was when dance party. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I as a as somebody, and I think I've mentioned this on maybe one of the other music episodes, but I was born and raised on early 90s hip hop. And I, I still to this day, like I'm still a big hip hop head. I keep up with new artists, but these were like my guys. These were the ones that as I was coming of age, Dre, Snoop, M. Jay-Z, you know, and Jay-Z, who had taken a creative control over the halftime shows at this point, this was, again, not a mistake. And, you know, having these guys at that time, I think was cool, too, was Eminem being like one of the most just loyal artists ever just said, I'm not doing it unless I bring 50 Cent. And I still remember being in high school when Dr. Dre and Eminem signed 50 Cent and they had the three-headed monster cover on, I think the cover of, well, they were on Vibe, Double XL, they were on all the magazines. And it was like, there's this powerhouse and it's like, will not be stopped. And that was just, that scared the shit out of people because it was like the biggest producer in the world, the biggest rap artist in the world took on this guy who was just mega. And then you got Kendrick, who's a kid from Compton and Dre's from Compton and Dre, you know, there's that connection. You know, Dre and Mary have had a long working relationship. You know, he produced Family Affair that she performed and just stuff like that. Like, there was a lot of controversy leading up to this where they weren't sure if they were going to like have to change lyrics. And, you know, when they performed, they were like, you know, Snoop going to try to smoke weed on stage on TV. Yes, <laughs> Is he going to come out like sea walking in his blue jump, blue suit? And, you know, yes, there was a lyric. Yeah, there was a lyric and like still Dre that he says still not loving police. And there was all this like that stupid conversation about that stuff. They didn't care. They let him go. It's art. They let him perform. That's the songs. And that was truly, 
Like that was one for us. That was one for our generation. I I could not have been happier. I showed my daughter that performance. She's like, she pretty much just looked at us like you guys are old. She was like, didn't know what to do. <laughs> um, but we made her actually stay awake so we could watch it because we streamed it and it was on like late. And here this poor little child was just like ready to go to bed. And we're like, no, no, Eminem's about to perform. Dre's going to got my back on the piano. It was incredible. And uh, now I absolutely am one of Kendrick's biggest fans. I this was and this might be like I'm fighting to say this, like even against myself. I kind of could have done without Kendrick. And the only reason I say that he's another one. That's great stage presence, always has a theme, always like knows what he's doing. There's everything's intentional. Yeah, but he's I get they kind of were bridging the gap because he's the newer version of that. He's West Coast. He's under Dre. Um, but. When you have 50 Cent, Eminem, Mary J, Snoop, you don't like they fit that collective and they were going for that particular era. And Kendrick was a child. I mean, Kendrick was I think Kendrick's my age. So Kendrick was a kid at that time. So it was cool that he was there and, and his the songs he performed were incredible and he, he did an amazing job. But that was one where I was like, ah, if he wasn't there, it would have been fine. But he was there. It was great. I loved it as at 1000 percent my favorite halftime show. <laughs> One one for the good guys. Oh, all right. Number one for Amy. So uh, my number one, you know, obviously I've said it multiple times that I'm all here for the dancing. You know, the singing is fantastic, too. But give me give me people that can dance and I am all for it. So my number one is 2020 Shakira and J-Lo. You know, they, sure. they had Bad Bunny, J Balvin and Emmy Munoz come out as well or Muniz, sorry, uh, but Shakira and J-Lo, hell yeah. I could not take my eyes off that stage. I mean, I, Shakira, I love Shakira. Can't uh, look away. I love J-Lo too, but Shakira is in my top women artist. I just, I love her. Um, I love that they involve Spanish music in all of this. Bad Bunny is also a pretty sweet performer. <laughs> so a great, uh, great, I, great I performer. It. Yeah. Yeah. He's really into wrestling too. So I've seen him on some, yeah. <laughs> some wrestling yep. shows, which is pretty fun. <laughs> but yeah, Shakira and JLo, damn, top performance, hands down. Yeah, it was pretty Not electric. I mean, <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know people like to get on JLo because she like can't sing, but like she's a performer. I mean, Britney was the same yeah. way. Britney doesn't have a voice. She doesn't, can't really sing. She's a performer. She's an entertainer. She knows how to get on stage and perform. And that's what the Super Bowl is. It's you have your vocalists, you have people that like Shakira that are out there just with the just incredible choreography. And then you get just straight up performers and you oh, need, you need, all, you need all of it. Yeah. That was, a, that was a great show. That was probably yeah. one of the ones I had as like an honorable. Cause I didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't have that many. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I recently saw Jennifer Lopez perform on Saturday Night Live, and uh, she she still did some dance moves, but she was a little more simmered down, and you could listen to her voice a little bit more, and she had a pretty powerful voice when she's not trying to perform her at her hardcore level. So, yeah. you know, I feel like, and it's tough, like, the amount of moves that Shakira and J-Lo do, I can't imagine trying to sing and doing those kind of moves. I mean... Yeah but they're they're fantastic they are amazing i was so glad i would have loved to have beyonce on stage with them. if i had beyonce shakira and j-lo all on stage 
no performance would have ever even come close to that performance. So that that can be a future Super Bowl, please. So but, here, yeah. so uh, it's funny you just said a future Super Bowl because I was literally just going to ask you before we like maybe wrap up or we put like wrap up like our we'll go down our list and say what our tens were. Future performers, do you have like a short list of who mm. you want to see? Mm. Putting you on the spot. Yeah. Not anybody I can think of offhand. You know some of the newer performers better than I do. Um, I would like to see some of the younger performers come out and get some some quality playtime because I feel like their talent kind of gets masked because, you know, especially with our generation being kind of the ones that watch the Super Bowl now, not everybody listens to newer age music and, you know, bringing them out there. That's why I love SNL because I... I, I mean, I like a lot of the comedy sketches, too, but I really like getting to be introduced to new performers. And so, you know, if it was something like that, I'd, I'd dig it. I'd be into it. I would say I kind of like I'm sure I'm sure either next year or in the next like year or two, I'm pretty sure Taylor will be out there. I would I, I would I'd be really hard pressed to think she wouldn't be. I would love to see The weekend get another shot at it with like a real production and not have like the limitations and kind of go at it in a different way um honestly my biggest one of this if i'd say two of my biggest ones one is like a no-brainer it would make sense especially given now is jay-z's never done it and he's been asked to do it and the first time he was asked to do it he pretty much said no thanks because of there was a lot of kind of contentious issues going on with um you know black coaches black players and you know a lot of that the kind of diversity and inclusion stuff was just horrible in the nfl and he kind of took a bigger role with like the music acts and has started putting more relevant black artists at on the biggest stage and um he famously in his song with him and beyonce and uh, his song ape shit he said uh, you know said no to the super bowl you don't need me you, you need me i don't need you so yeah. but i'm hope, but i'm now that he's got a bigger role i kind of hope it comes back around where maybe one of these years he kind of gets out there and plays the hits and like really lets it rip um, and as just a complete selfish pick, they're getting to be a very huge band. But one of like my, probably my all time favorite working band right now is Krungbin, and they put on incredible, incredible live performances. They don't sing. There's they don't. They're very little lyrics. It's all just music, and it's excellent. And they would kill the Super Bowl. As just yeah, a show, a nice like change. a straight up, yeah, just a live show. Um, other than that, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I kind of see which direction they're going to go. If they're going to kind of go like they got Usher this year, <laughs> don't know if they'll maybe go back to like a band or like a pop artist. We'll see. Yeah, you know, before we get through our top ten again, um, I just want to do two other honorable mentions, just because I I feel like they would have made my top ten if the sound if I could have found one with a better sound quality. Um, you know, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers perform once, and they're they're a really great group with some iconic songs. And I'm sure that was a good performance. There's just no good sound quality ones of it. And um, I don't know if you saw the one. What year was it? Oh, I have it on my list somewhere. Um, there was one time in the 90s, I think it was, that they did, yeah, 1995, they did Indiana Jones and the Temple of the <laughs> Forbidden Eye. Did you watch that one, Scott? <laughs> no, I did see that. I did Dude. see that. That was like one of the, per- I was like, what is going on? Sound quality, super shit. The, yeah, the performance 
it was <laughs> it was entertaining. It was it was like an Indiana Jones reenactment, and like yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. There was a they jetpacked in Indiana Jones. Um, oh my god! And they just like reenacted some scenes. Like he's fighting some ninjas at one point. Like it's just. I don't know what the music sounded like, but like watching it on mute was super entertaining and ridiculous. That's that's wild. It, yeah, that's but, wild. So yeah, that's, so that, that sounds that like nineteen ninety a... what nineteen ninety five. Yeah, that sounds about right. Which that's actually kind of crazy because that's two years after MJ. Yeah, that's kind of weird, you know. That's just timing, you know. It's just I couldn't again, just wasn't sure. The only one I yeah. I think the only other one I would say would be like an honorable mention that I would want to shout out is. And more so, not because I, not because I dislike the main artists. Um, I'm not just like a huge fan, like in general. I kind of just like ho hum. But like when Katy Perry performed, she brought out Missy Elliott, and like I'm a diehard Missy fan, so it was always nice to see Missy get out there and get yeah, her, get I her, just get wish her. There was more of her. I know that was the thing. I kind of wish it was more Missy. Yeah, and I love that Lenny was famous Kravitz for the too. sharks. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah, like. If they if there was more airtime between the three of them, I think I would have dug that one more than I did. Yeah, so that's uh that's our that's our tens. You wanna you wanna run yours down? Yeah, sure. Uh, so number ten was nineteen ninety seven with the Blues Brothers. Number nine was two thousand three, no doubt. Shania Twain and Sting. Number eight was two thousand, titled Tapestry of Nations. Uh, number seven was twenty twelve, Madonna. Number six, twenty twenty two, Eminem, Snoop, Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige, Fifty Cent, Kendrick Lamar. Number five, 2007, Prince and the Florida A&M Marching Band. Number four was 1999 uh, with Gloria Stefan and the Salsa Dancers. Number three was 2013 with Beyonce and Destiny's Child. Number two was Lady Gaga. And number one was Shakira, J-Lo, and Bad Bunny. Nice. All right. My number 10 was The Weeknd, 2021. Number nine was uh, 2016, Coldplay, Bruno Mars, and Beyonce. Uh, number eight was... The super weird Aerosmith, Britney, NSYNC, Nelly, and Mary J. Blige, <laughs> 2001. Just just batshit crazy. Uh, number seven was Rihanna, 2023. Uh, number six was Lady Gaga, 2017. Number five was MJ, um, 1993. Number four was Janet and Justin. Justice for uh, Janet from 2004. Uh, Beyonce was number three from 2013. Number two was the purple one, Prince, 2007. And number one was my Dre Snoop Eminem. Shout out to the millennials. Yes. There they are. Oh, so what we got? What Scott. we got coming up next? You want to Dre? You want to talk a little? Talk for a second about what we got coming up next? Yeah. Um. You know, this is a a season of of hearts. So we are going to talk about our top 10 breakup songs also hit some of those rom-com movies uh a little bit of both worlds but long lists that we really need to break down oh yeah because there's yeah. so much and we are we yeah. both are really into these genres so i think those are going to be some more longer episodes scott what do you think <laughs> yeah those would be fun those would be those are long lists so those are going to either have a lot of honorable mentions or they're going to be like a part two for next year but yeah. um <laughs> But yeah, so we'll be up next with uh, breakup songs and, and uh, in time for Valentine's Day and then um, rom-coms and then uh, start padding out March. Yeah. That, that's where we're at. 
So if you want to follow us on Instagram, uh, we have an Instagram account ranked the podcast, and you can access our podcast anywhere you stream your podcasts. Thanks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. This is Ranked. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. Thanks.